Hey there, my name is Azar Safa and welcome to my podcast. When you think of women in STEM, what comes to mind? Do you think of doctors or engineers, students spending a lot of time in the library? How about the word harassment? While there are more women now than ever before entering STEM fields, sexism and harassment of these women is at an all-too-common occurrence, and that is unacceptable. The sciences are dominated by men even though an equal number of boys and girls are interested in STEM fields. It is harder to retain girls in these fields than it is boys as you move up from undergraduate to graduate studies, and I believe this is due to the harassment girls face at these higher levels. According to the website The Atlantic, which quotes a survey from journals.plos.org, 70% of women in STEM have faced sexual harassment while working in the field and 26% had experienced sexual assault. Most of these harassments come in the form of a senior in a particular field. Could be a professor, or maybe a researcher, and a junior. Most often, a girl who's working in a lab or working in the field with a senior scientist. The senior researcher, who's in a position of power, makes an inappropriate attempt at the female junior, who usually doesn't respond out of fear of retaliation. From an article from Vice News, there's a quote from Joanne Schmelz, who is an astrophysicist at the University of Memphis and a former chair of the American Astronomical Society's Committee on the Status of Women. And she explains why women don't usually report the harassment they face. She says, and I quote, They really were not interested in filing a complaint because they would get labeled as troublemakers. Their careers would be affected, and there's retribution. She said, noting that there had been some retaliation. It seems like it makes the lives of people who come clean quite miserable. She ends. A big issue about harassment isn't the fact that it's happening, but rather that when it does happen, the victim doesn't get the justice they deserve. For example, this past November 3rd, three distinguished professors from the University of Dartmouth were involved in a lawsuit in which seven women claimed they were sexually harassed. Todd Heatherton, William Kelly, and Paul Whelan, in quote, leered at, groped, sexted, intoxicated, and even raped female students according to the court papers which were filed in federal court in New Hampshire, in New Hampshire, as told in a New York Times article. The article continues, The women say that the professors used their power over their students' academic careers and future jobs to coerce them into participating in an alcohol and sex-saturated party culture and to discourage them from complaining. You might be wondering what happened to these professors since the charges were coming from so many different sources and seems to be pretty incriminating. One retired with tenure, and the other two simply resigned from the school. They weren't fired, but were allowed to leave with grace. The woman got nothing in return for the harassment they had to put up with, and the perpetrators weren't punished. This is, a, this is an occurring theme when it comes to women coming forward in harassment claims. The woman explains what has happened to her, and the man in question usually gets to resign and work somewhere else. I believe harassment at this level happens because the professors and researchers doing this have gotten away with it before and due to all the grant money they bring in, universities tend to look the other way, such as what happened in Dartmouth. This creates a toxic culture dominated by men and it lets powerful men get away with doing whatever they want to these young women because they know these young researchers and college students need their help if they want to become successful in their field. The response to women when they report sexual harassment Reminds me of the article Undoing Border Imperialism by Harsha Walia. In the article, Harsha talks about how there's an us versus them mentality when it comes to people who try to come here illegally. 
through illegal immigration, which makes us see them as less than human, which makes us feel as though they are the problem and not the thing they are escaping from. I feel as though universities usually side with the professors, especially tenured professors, instead of the female students, which creates an us versus them environment. This leads to students not wanting to report the harassment they faced, and rather makes them internalize it, which lets the abuser get away with their misdeeds, and lets him continue his or her his behavior. It usually takes the media to get involved before real action takes place, but this cannot always be the case. The media shouldn't always have to get involved for changes to occur. Thanks to movements like the Me Too movement, for example, more and more people are coming out and speaking up about the harassment they are facing, more schools and universities are taking it more seriously now. For example, a solution for combating sexual harassment would be to give students a more structured place to voice their harassment faced. An article after the accusation by Michael Baltier, a, a scientist Ackerman, talks about how to combat sexual harassment is by changing the environment of the school. One way to go about it is to create a network of mentors, senior scientists, have the power to do something about it. If you have a famous field school, you have people outside the field school who could be reported to, formal structure with real people attached to it, rather than just a document. While this won't solve all the problems, it is a step in the right direction and will give students more tools so that they won't have to put up with harassment. As more women get into STEM fields, it is important to arm them with the right tools to combat harassment should it ever happen to them. Thank you for listening to my podcast.